Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It is the ultimate in commercial broker training. If you are an experienced real estate broker, check it out at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the office market, and I think of all the sectors, it seems to be that office, and to, to me, is in most questioned by people, right? With the pandemic and the work from home and the employment world, interest rates going up, uh, going up, what is going on in the office market? I think a lot of people think it's really imploding and we don't need office anymore. Then there's some folks from the other school think, you know what, office is going to come back. We do need office. We need people to belong and be together and have all the benefits to the employees and the employers of getting folks together. Well, let's see what's going on. Please welcome my guest. It's Phil Mobley. He's National Director of Office Analytics at CoStar, and he's here in Studio One. Phil, thanks for being here. Hi, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at the, the, the country overall, and you look at the office market, I suppose folks at CoStar are going, man, don't you have the toughest job doing office because it seems like industrial, multifamily, kind of singing along, and retail seems to be doing pretty good, but do people look at you going office go, oh man, you, you poor guy, you. Well, I'll say this, I get a lot of calls. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of calls and yeah. a lot of questions yeah. and a lot of uh, requests yeah. for information and uh, and appearances so it is definitely an interesting time in the office market that's for sure yeah it certainly is and I, I lead a team that sells office buildings and we get the same thing and it's kind of a crazy market so let's talk about first of all with occupancy um, vacancy now what are you seeing around the country when when you look overall what's the trend there I think the headline is um, demand is adjusting and, and has adjusted to what I'll call normal for now. Uh, I mean, we're here. We're we're post-pandemic effectively in the way that we are living and the way that we are working. Uh, and that's had an impact visibly already on the office market uh, after kind of the initial uh, surges and, and retreats of the COVID era. So we saw in Q3 of this year, vacancy tick up about 10 basis points to 12.4% nationally. Um, that's up about 30 basis points year on year. Uh, we do expect that in general to continue to rise for the next, you know, uh, 12 to 18 months. We've never actually seen it in the last 20 years get above 13, We've come close a couple times uh, after the dot-com bust and then in the aftermath of the great financial crisis. But we do actually have a forecast uh, of vacancy exceeding 13%, approaching 13.5% by the end of 2023. Um, and in part, is because, uh, as I mentioned, demand has adjusted to the normal for now. It's going to take supply a little longer to adjust to that normal for now. In the next six months, we're showing about 55 million square feet of new supply coming online um, and then tapering off uh, as supply side adjusts to that normal for now. 
Yeah, and that makes sense, right? Because it takes uh, what many years to get a building from ground up to to, to delivery, right? Um, what about uh, vacancy factors in the in the different classes? Are you seeing much difference between say a B and C and A? We are. I mean, we are actually showing higher vacancy in the more uh, high end of the market of a glass property. But the main reason for that is because the new supply that comes online um, is, is overwhelmingly class A property. So right. we do see higher vacancy there. What we also see there though is almost all of the positive absorption is at that top of the market. And specifically in recent vintage properties, the last seven to 10 years mm -hmm. um, is where we're still seeing positive absorption. Overall, uh, we're still 100 million square feet short of where we were entering 20. 20 in terms of occupied square footage nationally. Um, and then if you if you look at the employment recovery that initially, of course, took a big dip, but office using employment is now back above where it was at that time. Uh, and even depending on where you start the clock, almost back up to its trend uh, long term, which is about 2% annually over the last couple of decades. So given that, we're missing not only that 100 million square feet that was given back during the pandemic that we haven't recovered yet, but then an additional 100 million square feet that we would expect under uh, the old normal to have. So we're 200 million square feet of demand short given the level of office employment. Uh, for perspective's sake, that's about the size of the Minneapolis office market. It's actually more square footage than is in um, not the whole Bay Area, but just in San Francisco. Um, and in, in some ways it's actually even worse because we have, as of the end of Q3, 230 million square feet available on the sublet market, uh, which is almost double where we were at the end of 2019. So, you know, there's 100 million that we haven't recovered from uh, the COVID shock, another 100 million that we would have expected, and then on top of that, an extra 100 million more that, um, is available on the sublease market that wasn't there a few years ago. So definitely that demand adjustment has happened. Uh, the supply, has, oh, excuse me, the demand has disconnected from employment uh, in what I think is a structural way that's, again, normal for now. Yeah. And the amount of sublease space seemed to really ramp up uh, that, that came on the market near, during COVID. Um, and it seemed like it continued to be more sublease space available. Is there a trend there? Is that backing down any? Well, it did. So uh, we, we actually saw the fundamentals improve second half mm -hmm. of 2021, first quarter of this year. Um, and we saw it in a couple of ways. One was absorption term positive again. Um, and two is some of that sublet space did come back off the market. So the, the trend was downward, but you know, that, that may have been sort of the proverbial dead cat bounce um, because we've, we've seen vacancy tick back up. We've seen absorption turn uh, not much, very slightly, but negative for the last two quarters in a row. That makes it seven out of the last 10. Um, and we've seen that sublet trend increase again. So the last couple quarters, it's actually trended back upward um, to that 230 million square foot level. That's interesting. So, so there's more office using workers today than there w there was pre-pandemic. There are about a million more um, if you look at the the three major macro sectors in private sector office, which is um, information, uh, which includes a lot of the technology firms, um, finance and insurance, 
and then professional services, those three big sectors. There's about a, uh, about a million more workers in those than there were at the beginning of 2020. When you look at future demand and forecast for occupancy uh, in the office world, how much does the um, potential recession play into that? You know, it, it's interesting because I've actually heard people say that, well, what we need is a good recession, right? To sort of restore uh, the balance of power in the labor, mar- labor market, which is clearly tilted toward employees right now. Um, but if you look at history, that's not the way it works. Companies don't uh, add additional space in a recession or particularly when they're not hiring workers. Uh, so while we do have this disconnect between demand for uh, employees and demand for space now, uh, what I absolutely would not expect is more space to be taken by tenants while they're at the same time trimming their workforces. Uh, so I would expect that to actually compound uh, some of the negative fundamentals that we're seeing. And in fact, we use Oxford Economics uh, as part of our baseline forecast. And so as we look at 2023, we're forecasting uh, actually slightly positive net absorption for the next six months. That relates to that new supply that's coming online that I talked about, a lot of which is pre-leased. Um, I actually wouldn't be surprised if at least in the fourth quarter of this year, we underperform that if absorption doesn't turn as positive as our forecast shows. But then by the end of 2023, we're forecasting more negative absorption. And a lot of that is driven by um, the cyclical factor of uh, an impending recession. Oxford economics baseline is is calling for a recession next year. And so 2024, I know, is a long way out. Here we are, November, beginning of November here of um, 2022 and uh, it's actually Halloween as we record this today. Is, yeah, scary story. Um, yeah, you had some scary people bring you in the, uh, in the studio, <laughs> right, this morning. Um, so uh, is, is 2024 when uh, we might be doing the Snoopy dance in the office world if we've got increased demand, we have the employment market turn around when, you know, it seems like when employers, to your point, you know, t- if they want people back in the office and the employees say, Nah, I'll just work for somewhere else. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if that kind of turns around, is 2024 maybe a positive look ahead? Well, I'm well, looking for something. Positive. Yeah. So I, if I'm going to if I'm going to take the optimistic view yeah. of the office long term, then here's what I'd say. I would say that, you know, traditionally what happens cyclically is number one, companies acquire space ahead of employment growth. They expect their businesses to grow. They are projecting more employees. uh, And so they lease space or acquire it ahead of that. Um, So the optimistic view may be that, well, this time they may actually have stopped doing that, right? That the hybrid and remote work phenomenon has allowed them not to acquire space in advance of hiring more workers. And so that what we normally see in a recession, again, is um, negative absorption, companies giving back space or not renewing. Well, the optimistic view is maybe that's already happened, except this time it happened before the recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and that remote and hybrid work actually enabled companies to, to do that because it, you know, they don't absolutely need a seat for every person in the corporate workplace. They can hire people either remotely um, or on a hybrid basis. Um, and then the, the other half of that optimistic view is that 
while certainly I would not expect a recession to be good for the office market in terms of its fundamentals, it may well reset the culture of how we use the office, which I think is already underway. Um, I think the biggest amenity that people want out of the office is their coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so to accomplish that, you need to all be there together. Yeah. And if you're going to do a hybrid thing, you need to coordinate that because the worst of both worlds is, well, uh, Michael, you and I work together. I come in on Monday, mm-hmm. you come in on Tuesday and we're at home on alternate days. And we're both, you know, when we're here, we're working remotely from the office and yeah. we don't get that benefit. So, um, you know, I think again, the optimistic view is that culture gets reset in a labor market that's that's loosened up a little bit, you know, either as a result of recession or much slower economic growth and a, a cooling off period of hiring. Um, and then, yes, by 2024 and beyond, we've got a structural shift that remains. Maybe it's a little different than what we see right now in terms of the number of days per week people are working in the office versus at home. Um, But at any rate, the baseline has been reset. And we figured out that, yes, here's what we do in offices now. We don't necessarily do the focus work. Uh, At least most of us don't do that focus work in an office environment that we used to. We do that Mm -hmm. remotely. But we figured out how to collaborate and how to coordinate so that we're getting the best of both worlds instead of the worst. Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, when I think about the office world, I think, you know, uh, as an employee, you know, the life, the work life balance, you know, to have those separate worlds and to have a sense of belonging and, you know, to learn from the older people or you learn from the younger people. Right. And, uh, you know, have that uh, that security. And I think when you look at the employer side, I'm wondering what's going to happen down the road as more companies start to realize uh, the challenges of hybrid and, and work from home with, you know, cybersecurity getting worse seems like weekly these days um, and trade secrets. You know, if you, if you work for Coca-Cola and you and uh, you have an employee and their roommate works for Pepsi, probably not a good thing. Uh, but uh, and I think, you know, when these companies look at the the, the biggest cost, well, it's usually employees. Right. And, and turnover is really costly in a lot of ways for companies. So in my mind, I, I, I think, you know, long term that a lot of folks, are, whether an employee or employer, are going to want to get back in the office. Now, I know there's some businesses that maybe it's fine and employees are fine from home. But I think overall that uh, there's going to de- demand back. And, and to your point, I guess if if supply starts to 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 slack off here, which I assume it is, right? Lenders aren't just jumping to to finance a, a new vacant uh, a spec office building today, are they? No, they're not. No, they, they certainly aren't. Yeah. Um, they're definitely um, pulling back from that, from office in particular. Yeah. And I like the, the new office. I think if there's anything good that happens out of COVID, it's a healthier environment, right? It's a healthier environment and a better environment, you know, that uh, welcomes people to the office and, and they do get to enjoy their coworkers more. And, you know, we, we did a lot of work in the last several years selling office buildings. And, and we and we dealt with all the vendors and the attorneys and the, the folks that you deal with doing those transactions. And the ones that did a lot of work from home were just very inefficient. You know, it's like so given given an option, 
I'd like to work with folks who are in the office. You know, they're all there the same days, right? They go, oh, yeah, I can get the answer for you now. And it's not a Zoom meeting that maybe happens in a couple of days, right? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Let's, we talked about financing uh, and what's going on there a little bit. Let's touch on it some more. But let's, before we go there, what are you seeing for cap rate trends right now? Because, you know, it seems like the a lot of these transactions have closed, maybe got financing, you know, ahead of these big increases like we said here we are at halloween beginning in november as this show splashes interest rates kind of still ticking up have you seen it adjust cap rates in the office world yet we haven't seen it adjust much yet they've been resilient despite rising interest rates um at the end of q3 we were seeing just under seven percent on average nationally that's our sort of point uh, model for cap rates um we do expect that to rise over the next year or so. Uh, there's just so much pressure uh, in the financial markets in interest rates as the Fed. We expect to continue uh, to raise them. I think one thing we've seen, though, is a slowdown in transaction volume for sure. That you know, I think even as early as late last year, people were projecting that that may well happen. Um, and it has happened. We saw 17.6 billion in transaction volume in Q3. Um, that was down from almost 32 billion in Q3 of last year. So year over year, it's about a 45% decrease. Um, last year was normal-ish. Um, 2020 was certainly uh, a strange year. But in the years leading up to that, you know, 2021 was above normal overall. Q3 was, you know, on the high end of normal. Um, but we're down from that for sure. We expect it to continue to go down. Um, one thing that I think will provide clarity is that while we haven't seen a lot of distress in the office market so far, and that's why cap rates have held up, um, I, I think there's a, a real chance we will see more of that as we move through 2023. There are, uh, of course, you know, always leases expiring in office buildings during the pandemic there were a lot of short-term leases executed mm -hmm. so if you take the the normal 2023 20, expirations and add to that the short-term expirations that that piled up uh, i think we have a, a large number of leases coming up for renewal uh, given the structural shift in demand i would expect that not as many of those would renew as we would historically see um, and when you have properties that have that renewal exposure and then uh, they also have loan maturities coming up, uh, I expect we could see more distress, which will help with price discovery, um, which will put pressure on cap rates, certainly as, uh, as transactions actually occur in greater volume at those new pricing levels. So your average cap rate nationally at just under seven, how does that compare to say the last few years? Well, um, they didn't rise much in 2020, so they've been sort of on a slow downward trend, fairly stable uh, in recent months. Uh, we do expect them again to rise in the next year or so just the, yeah. there's just too much pressure from too many directions on them yeah yeah well i would agree and we're in the first we're up you know doing deals uh, selling office buildings and we're seeing um underwriting really change and uh you know what you know you have to if you're you're paying 350 basis points higher interest rates right, right. uh 
or more potentially. So um, it, it, uh, yeah, it's coming down the pike and we're seeing underwriting change um, today different than it was, you know, two months ago. Yeah, well, I think one of the one of the pressures is, you know, if you look at at a macro level, um, you know, there's an argument that institutions are actually they're overweighted toward real estate now because of what's happened in the equity markets. Well, now, now those are maybe starting to recover a little bit. They're still down quite a bit year on year. Um, but you know, of course, it takes time for those institutions to adjust their holdings. So by the time, by the time they do adjust, then they may um, they may be weighted properly again, especially if if prices values for office buildings start coming back down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one reason why we haven't seen them come down yet. Right, is because these institutions have capital that they need to put somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, with the stock market performing as it has so far this year there's nowhere else for them to put it yeah and in real estate's going to be a good long-term play right um and inflation in some ways uh help is helpful to real estate investments right what do you see um in central business districts like in in boston and new york and some of these cities or are these downtown uh buildings these high-rise buildings how are they doing now well, so there's, you know, we, we use the term occupancy in a very specific sense, which is how much of it is leased. Um, if you talk about utilization, how many people are actually coming in and out of these buildings, um, there are several metrics out there that show we're still far below normal. Um, you know, Castle Systems is one that we refer to a lot. Uh, access control provider. I think their latest figures show nationally close to 50% of what we saw pre-pandemic. Um, Google Mobility has data that shows similar um, levels of foot traffic around office buildings compared to pre-pandemic. Um, I live and work in the Boston area. Boston's an interesting market because at least in in and around the financial district, um, it's a very compressed area. There's a lot of um, tourism and leisure that happens right in that area. So if you're walking around on the sidewalk, it feels fairly normal, and it didn't for a while, right. but it's coming back. Uh, up in the buildings is when you notice, okay, well, there's there are not as many people in these buildings as there used to be, um, for sure. And I think that's true really in highly dense large markets especially um, castles figures show higher uh, higher return to normalcy in places like Texas uh, as opposed to New York or, or San Francisco right. some of the the large cities do a really good job of reporting their transit usage data uh, New York does quite a good job of that actually uh, and there, if you look at c- commuter rail traffic specifically into Manhattan, it's still in the 60% compared to pre-pandemic. Um, at least on the weekdays it is. Yeah. On the weekends, it's more like 90-95. So people are, wow. are still perfectly happy to come in for right. fun. Right. Um, but you know, commuting into dense major markets has um, definitely been impacted and hasn't come back yet. Well, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned, you know, Castle and, and the commute uh, rail systems because, you know, if you're coming in, you know, three days a week instead of five, well, you're automatically, that one person's adjusting those numbers down, right? So you're still maybe using the office space, 
but you're using it less days a week, right? So you could be at 50, use it, you know, come in two and a half days a week or what, I guess you can't come in half a day. Right. <laughs> you're still, you're coming in, right? But uh, that would seem to impact those numbers as well, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of things that um, Office Space has that put a floor on just how low uh, demand can go. And that's mm -hmm. one of them, is that, you know, we've been talking about hybrid work, but it is hybrid. It's not fully remote. There's only about 10 to 15 percent of workers that, uh, that are able to work fully remotely and, yeah. and are attempting to do that. The majority, really, among office using workers, the overwhelming majority actually want hybrid. Right. They want the interaction in person, physically, with their coworkers. Uh, they want the social aspect of that as well as the the business and collaborative aspect of that. Um, and so you're right that b because of what we've talked about with. Um, wanting to come in and be together, everyone at once, and then we go our separate ways and work remotely perhaps for a day or two. Yeah. Um, well, that means you can't linearly reduce your footprint as an occupier um, along with the number of person days in the office. It just doesn't work that way. And of course, you know, long-term leases are the other reason that there's, there's a floor on, um, on occupancy because you, companies can't just react the way you could if you were, you know, um, like a hotel, for example, which fell off a cliff completely uh, during the pandemic and, and now is back. But, it, you know, that, that's a consumer market that's very fast and very responsive. And the commercial office market just doesn't behave that way. Yeah. Well, when can some of these companies uh, do like Elon Musk said, did, you know, to say, hey, get, get back to work or pretend to work somewhere else? Uh, when does that happen? Well, I mean, that's a function of the labor market, right? Yeah. Uh, which is still extremely tight. Uh, there are some signs that it's loosening up a little bit. Uh, but even last week, I think uh, initial unemployment claims were under 220,000, which is, uh, you know, 200,000 is a, a, a pretty low benchmark for initial unemployment claims. Uh, we have new jobs figures coming out, I think, next week. And I think the general expectation is another couple hundred thousand uh, jobs added to payrolls. So as long as hiring is still happening, and uh, a couple months ago we were actually at two openings for every unemployed and seeking worker, that has come down a little bit, um, but it's still, there's still more than one job available for everyone who's looking. And until yeah. that changes, um, then I don't, I don't see a lot of companies being successful in forcing their employees to return full time. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And it makes sense. And you know, it's, uh, we, we saw that from, from selling office buildings, we see the, the larger tenants that have offices around the country or around the world tend to be using their office less and they're, they're having trouble getting folks back. But then the smaller suites where you have smaller companies, um, they're all in their offices, all using them. It's like they were able to say, hey, get back to work or, or we need you here. We need the top line and bottom line, you know, production levels. You know, we need all the benefits of of, uh, of y'all being, to, you guys being together. And it's interesting, we had John D'Angelo um, with Deloitte on, and we were talking about um, uh, their their work around the country uh, interviewing CFOs and they said the castle systems in other countries uh, people are back to work more than they were in the US and, and I asked him why 
and I thought the answer was interesting. He said the answer is, um, he believed, is that in the U.S. we have more of a commute than most of these other countries. And it seems like that's the worst thing about getting back to the office is when I talk to employees about it, they're out there working at these companies like, you know what, I don't mind being at the office, but the commute, you know, and then it seems like in the U.S., we've even created more of a commute during COVID, right? We, we moved even further away. Well, we have. And, and the other thing that is, I think, not unrelated to that is um, many people in the U.S. have very good home work setups, which yeah. is not necessarily the case for the rest of the world. Okay. Um, and so if you have a, a comfortable private room with high-speed internet and a nice view, um, which actually describes my home office pretty well. And a dog, too. Yeah. Uh, and a dog, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and a long commute. Yeah. Um, then, you know, it takes, it takes a lot to overcome that to make it worthwhile for you, at least in your own mind, yeah. to come into the office. Whereas if you are living in, you know... Um, couple hundred square foot apartment or cubby hole essentially with a roommate um, and a lot of noise happening around you in an urban environment and you're mm. only a 20 minute train ride away from the office well then that office environment starts to look pretty appealing uh, and I think that's absolutely a component in this yeah that's interesting and, and it, that, that makes sense and you also think about the folks that maybe that have uh, children or, or family or you know, um, you know, you, you're sitting there trying to get work done. The kids come in, uh, or the the wife comes in. Hey, honey, do this. Honey, do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait a minute, I, I'm I'm supposed to be working. Well, there are there is a and this is lost in the headlines, mm -hmm. but there is a, a meaningful segment of the knowledge workforce that, for those reasons and others, simply can't work effectively at home. Yeah. Um, and so during the pandemic, I think they really struggled. Uh, in part because the schools were also closed and childcare facilities were closed for a while. Right. Um, I think longer term, there are opportunities for those people, even the ones who live further afield, to find a place to work that's maybe not their home and also not the corporate office that they have to commute to. They may commute some, yeah. but, but I could see those people um, filling spaces in co-working facilities or some sort of flexible working environment, some third place uh, that's in maybe the suburb that they live in or an adjacent one. Uh, so they have a, a shorter commute that still enables them to do, you know, the, the child care responsibilities they have or um, avoid that long commute and, and functionally do that focus work, right? Because for many people, they can do that quite well at home but many people can't and they need some kind of office environment to do that. Yeah. I know I worked from home for a couple of weeks during, during COVID and then I went back, I, I couldn't stand it. And, and I do have a decent place to work and not a lot of distractions. I just, just didn't like it. Uh, but uh, you know, we're, we're talking with Phil Mobley. He's a national director of office analytics with CoStar and, and you mentioned uh, co-working. How are co-working uh, facilities doing now or what, how are they doing? Well, um, I mean, anecdotally, I've, I've seen and heard that, you know, they've struggled mightily along with everyone else at the beginning of the pandemic, but then rebounded. Um, I'd seen some data that suggests, particularly in kind of the, the first ring of suburbs, they've, they've rebounded and performed well. Um, you know, perhaps for some of the reasons we were just discussing, I, I think it's, um, companies looking for more flexibility 
are absolutely thinking about, you know, I'll use co-working as sort of a generic term here, but some sort of flexible office solution, right, where they're not committed to the space long term. They maybe don't have exclusive rights to the space, um, but it's an option for them as they hire. You know, again, think back to that that story of, well, perhaps companies have realized that they, they don't need to acquire and commit to space in advance of growth in their own employee base because they can onboard, they can manage more volume of uh, hiring through flexible work arrangements, through remote work, and then, you know, once the uh, the office is configured once their plans are adapted to how they're going to use it in the future then they can acquire that space so uh, in the meantime and perhaps long term I, I absolutely see flex work as a component of those kinds of strategies yeah I mean it makes sense especially if you're an employee that's looking for that uh, uh, live work balance right the life work balance um, to have a place to go to right um, but you still have the challenges as a, as a business I think and as, as an employee of, of recruiting retention you know, onboarding training collaboration you know uh, efficiency morale culture uh, you know I think uh, and potentially cybersecurity and trade secrets. So uh, seems like uh, long term uh, there'd be some benefits to everybody to, for most companies to get back together. Um, and and before you uh, leave us today, you know, what should we think about? You know, here where we are today, thinking about the office world, about occupancy or about cap rates. What would you leave our audience with? Yeah, I. I think that again, the you know, the normal for now is here, and as you think longer term, we've, we've got the, uh, the looming recession that you know many people are expecting now that is complicating things. Uh, so it's it's adding the cyclical pattern to our structural shift. But longer term, you know, I think it's about offices that are functional. So uh, we mentioned, I think, at the beginning, where the activity is happening right now is at recently constructed, top of the market, well-located, highly amenitized, environmentally friendly, those types of properties. I think, I think it's a flight to functionality. It's, it's a flight to the type of space that companies are going to find useful. Uh, at the same time, I think we need to realize that you know, again, normal for now means companies are not going to need as much total space. They're going to need space that meets the needs of this new way of working. And so, you know, let's get through these next few months. Let's get through, um, hopefully, either no recession or, or a mild one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll start to think long term, well, how does uh, the supply adjust to meet that new demand? Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I think you got to have an environment that people want to get to, right? And they want to get together. Um, I remember uh, having a, a broker that wanted to work at our firm. He thought, yeah, Michael, I know I'll be way more successful at your firm, but I don't like your office space. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to go to to your B minus building. I might be being nice to myself at the time. Um, but so then we moved up, and when you have we have a beautiful office, plants and flowers and beautiful views, and in a game room and a studio and a cafe, and it's a it's a it's a fun place, and, and people like being here. And I think that's what the office world has to be these days, right? It has to be a place where people want to come, all right, and get out of the house. Yeah, uh, well, I think if we've learned anything, 
it, right, in the last three years, we've learned that human beings, one, we are human beings, and we need to be with other human beings. I mean, you know, some of us need that more than others. Some of us, like you and I, uh, extroverted people uh, really need that. But but everyone needs it to some degree or another. And that's as true in our professional lives as it is in our personal ones. Yeah. And so, uh, in-person physical presence, it supercharges relationship development and that matters in the professional context. Um, the way that we approach and go about that and, and configure our work styles to accommodate that and to take advantage of it, that's has shifted, will continue to shift in the next few years. Um, but it's, it's always got to be a component. I think we've, we've absolutely learned that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Phil, great information. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming to Studio One. And thank you for joining us around the country. We appreciate you sharing the show and connecting with us on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert-level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.